And welcome to the Run of the Mills podcast, the daily run, Romans chapter one. And last time we did a doozy couple of verses, uh, 26 and 27. And today we're going to go from 28 to 32. At least that's the plan. You never know. Sometimes I get jabbering on and I forget, oh no, I've got a time limit, which I don't really have. It's like self-imposed, which means nothing, but I'm just trying to help you out. Anyway. So last time we dealt with the issue of homosexuality, and that was a tough one. Um, and the, one of the tough things about it is that uh, that historically uh, the American church has picked on certain groups. Um, they picked on this group because the Bible says refers to these things as vile passions. And again, if you didn't listen last time, please please go back and listen to the last one. Um, but here's the thing that, that why the church loses a lot of credibility. Um, the church starts talking about sexual sin without dealing with their own sexual sin. I was at a church uh, a while back on a Saturday evening and uh, they were preaching on, the pastor was preaching on um, an adultery. And they were doing a series where they were going through, I think they were going through the book of Luke or I don't remember. I don't remember what book of the book, book of the Bible they were going through, but it was one of the gospels and they had a number of pastors and they would take turns. And the pastor got up and spent, I kid you not, the first eight or 10 minutes of the message apologizing profusely for the message. He was going on and on about how Oh, I'm so sorry about if you're here visiting, I'm so sorry, you know, give us another try, you know, um, I'm so sorry about the message I have to share. This is really difficult and blah, blah, blah. And then he went on, he was talking about, you know, we've been trying to get people to help out with our Sunday schools. And, you know, I know a lot of you, you know, have, you know, you had a bad experience with, you know, growing up, you, you know, you had you had kind of a bad negative view of marriage and now you're an adult and you're living with your, you know, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. And some of you volunteered to help out with our youth um, program, our Sunday school. And uh, I'm really sorry, but if you volunteered to help with Sunday school and you are living with somebody that you're not married to, we can't have you working in our Sunday school. We're so sorry. Um, we'll find another place for you to minister, but we just can't have you um, working in there with the kids. And, and I was getting so irritated because I'm like, dude, you can just be upfront and say, this is what the Bible says. You don't have to be apologizing profusely that God has an unpopular viewpoint. Um, but so often what happens is we, we gloss over stuff. So anyway, in this, in this uh, Romans chapter one, so much of the time, the focus gets put on the two verses that talk about, you know, the women exchanging their natural use um, for what is against nature. And likewise, the men leaving their natural use of the woman uh, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And that's that's where they stop. They don't go on to this next section. And, I, and personally, I think that that's that's pretty unfair. And it's kind of uh, uh, a reason you lose your credibility is because you don't keep going. You, you pick and choose. And so we ought not pick and choose. We ought to say, okay, well, let's keep going. What does he say next? Verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. Okay. So I've been talking about this ex over and over and over that, that God gives them what they want. They don't want 
to think about him. They don't want God as part of their life. And so he says, okay, you don't, you don't want to retain me in your knowledge. I will give you over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And he says this, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality. Now that's not, that, that's that, that Greek word pornea. That's not just sexual immorality in the sense of homosexuality. No, this is sex outside of marriage. Um, that's that's the, the idea, sexual immorality. Wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undeserving, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Okay, so... This is quite a this is quite an extensive list, and here's the thing: we we tend to like treat some of these things like they're not so bad. But what is Paul saying about this? Well, let's read the last verse because it's the doozy. All right, verse thirty-two. He says, "Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, knowing that God has right judgment, that God has a perfect, holy, righteous judgment." And God, it says this, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. So he's saying, look, these are serious crimes. These are serious things that if, if held up to God's standard, all these things are, you're deserving of death. You know, and, and we understand from other scriptures, we understand like the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. This is this is what you deserve for these things. Not only about you, but I've committed a bunch of these things. Hope you know, and some of them probably recently. But God is serious. God is serious. The serious sin. God is serious about sin. Sin causes the these ripples. These there are negative ripples that come out from them. And you know, the years I was a youth pastor, I got to see how parents. The choices parents made, the selfishness of parents, how the negative impacts that had on their kids. And I see their kids now as adults and I can see, I, you know, I don't think it's supernatural. I just see like these kids are doing things as a, as to me, a direct result of the things I saw their parents do, you know, the, the, the damage their parents caused them, uh, the, the parents who would put on a show in church and pretend to be something to impress all their, all the locals but at home being something totally different. And it's so bizarre that, that here's this, these parents that are, are serious enough about their reputation that they'll put on a show for strangers to think that they're great people. And yet at home, they're such a, so living in such con- contrast to that, that their own kids reject their God because they're like, it's fake. You're fake. You, you, you just do that so that people will think highly of you. But the people that, whose opinions actually matter, the kids that are, that you're trying to raise, you don't care about them. You're, you know, I've, I've had parents say stuff like, well, I think God wants me to be happy. No, that, that's not God's top priority for you. God's top priority is, is your holiness, that you become Christ-like, that you raise godly children, that it's not your, you know, in the, well, my husband doesn't make me happy, so I'm going to go, I'm leaving him. Well, your husband's a jerk or is he beating you? Well, he's, you know, he's a jerk. Well, sorry, you know, pray for him, bless him, do what God says. Don't just say, well, I'm not happy. I'm leaving because it's going to damage your kids. 
me. Well, I I think everyone will be happier if if you know we're not together. Then we'll both be happy, and the kids will be happy. And like, no, no, you you're 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 eroding and destroying the foundation of of their their family and their life. That that's your your it's damaging. So. Why was I talking about that? Oh yeah, because here's this list and God is serious about sin. God is serious about him so much so that he says that according, compared to the righteous judgment of God, that you deserve death. But he, not just that. Check this out. Knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of the those who practice them. So he's saying, look, you can look at all these things and you look at these people and you go, oh, they're obvious sinners, but you do the same thing and you're deserving of death. And not only those people that, that, that uh, are practicing these things, but those who approve of the practice, it's not okay. Christians to say, it's okay to do these things. It's not okay to say, well, your sinful lifestyle is acceptable to God when it's not, it's not acceptable, you know, to, to, to sin. Sin's not okay. And as Christians, we have to be very careful that we can tell people, I love you and I care about you. And I love you enough to tell you that what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is harmful. And that's hard. I don't do that all the time. Uh, you know, every person I know, I don't go up and say, well, I love you. So I'm gonna have to tell you this hard truth. That's a difficult thing to do. But what I can never do is I can never say it's okay. What you're doing is okay and acceptable because that is a, well, according to verse 32, um, approving of the practice of these things is as bad as committing them. And so here's the thing. Paul is making a very basic point. He's pointing out, uh, setting us up for chapter three, and he's pointing out that there are people who are blatant, obvious sinners. Everybody, he's he's made the point that creation testifies that there's a God, that men know within them that there's a God, but they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. He's pointed out that there, there are those people that are blatant, obvious sinners. And then there are those people who look at the blatant, obvious sinners and can recognize them and they do the same things. And there are those people who just approve of blatant, obvious sin. They're the ones that say, oh, it's, you know, that's okay. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you that that's wrong. I'm, you know, that might be wrong for me, but that's not, not wrong for you. You know, that baloney. And so Paul's making, he's setting it, he's laying out a systematic argument of who needs a savior, because that was our thesis statement in chapter uh, one, verse 16. You know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it's the power of God for salvation for all who believe first to the Jew and then to the Greek. It's the power of salvation to all who believe. And so who needs salvation? Everybody. So he's starting off with this big long list. Here is the the people that need salvation: the blatant, obvious sinners and those who approve of them. And that's not the only people on the list because we got to get to chapter two, which we'll hit next time. Talk to you then.